0: Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about The Upper Room, please visit uroom.org. Wow, it's quite the introduction there. <laughs> Only by you, bro. Come on, baby. Oh man, I am just, uh, my heart is on fire with what's happening in your community here. I've really been looking forward to this date all year. This is kind of the last um, ministry thing I'll be doing for 2017. And today in between services from the morning, I just had this thought, I'm like, we're we're just going to go crazy tonight. Like just, you know, like my high school coach used to say, you know, just lay it all out on the field, lay it all on the field. So we're going to go for it tonight. Um, I feel like uh, I'm carrying something for you guys, for this community. Um, I got really messed up about a week ago in Brazil, <laughs> I got really messed up. <laughs> I, uh, I get messed up a lot of places and I get a chance to, to be in some really cool uh, atmospheres and, and uh, really cool moves of God and, and get to sneak into some places and really see what the Lord's doing on the front front lines in some places around the earth that you don't hear a lot about or if you hear them, it's usually a you know, media driven agenda of fear and, and you know to push you back and make you feel like God's not moving. And I have a whole different perspective, but rarely uh, what, what happens to me is what happened a week ago in Brazil. I just got so messed up. I was in this, a part of this tour that, and this movement of, uh, that's just sweeping that nation right now, just wild South American revival, you know, where everything starts like an hour and a half late. It's like how they roll. But once it finally starts, you can't ever get them to shut up, you know? They just keep going. And we were, uh, every single night, we were in a different city across Brazil and gathering anywhere from three to 6,000 people, and it was just wild. I mean, it was like, they don't do warm-up songs over there, you know, like, like Dallas Sunday morning, like, hey, guys, how you doing? It's good to see a church, and let's start with a, you know, song from the nineties and get everybody in the flow. And, you know, in, in, in Brazil, they just, they just play a chord and, you know, people just go crazy. And, and, uh, and so I got really messed up and really God was setting my heart. I was looking out, you know, there's a nation that's experienced so much turmoil and, you know, their currency is being devaluated. Their economy is collapsing. Their, their president or prime minister is about to get impeached. I mean, it's like scandals galore, but yet the, uns- the, the things that are being shaken are are causing a generation to long and search for something that can't be shaken. And so all over the nation, you have this massive youth revival that's just exploding. And it, it, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And then I this last week, I got the, the privilege. This is kind of my week every year where I speak at our Bethel School of Supernatural Ministries, BSSM, first year uh, in Reading, which is uh, – it's. Massive. I mean, we fill, just our first year school in Reading fills the largest building in the city, the Civic Auditorium, about 1,700 students. And it is like, it is wild. And this week we were talking about worship, and I just laid out my heart, just this raw thing. And I think I just, part of it was being messed up in Brazil. I just like, nothing, Paul, it's just wild. And God landed in that place, and we... This class was supposed to end at 3.45. I preached for about an hour and a half, and they, the students were on the floor until 10 p.m.,
1: like stuck
0: to the floor. Like, and it wasn't just like emotionalism. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't just char, you know, this charismania hysteria. Like There was a deep work that God was doing, and God was marking these students. And we launched in the next night into a 24-hour burn. They were so hungry that we just wanna worship all night. So we launched into a 24-hour, you know, burn that went nonstop through the night, and God is doing something. I just feel like in this season, and I think it's crazy because, you know, I even approach it as things are winding down, we're going to chill out, we're going to watch Christmas movies, decorate the house, whatever, but man, something is picking up, and so tonight, my heart is that we would catch that, and I don't... You know, I don't feel like I need to force it. Like, God's going to do what he's going to do. But if you just do, do me this tonight, if you just lift your hands and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever, you do, Whatever you want to do, jack me up. Jack <laughs> up. <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> I uh, am <laughs> so pumped to, uh, to come on the heels of this Theme that God is emerging in this community about uh, about day and night worship and this Amos project and this whole call to Levitical priesthood and building the place of presence and obviously if you've tracked with this community for a number of years you know you know even the wall morning noon and night prayer is what you guys do um, and I was talking to um, Michael last night actually before I share this we need to pray tonight that Larissa Miller goes into labor. Come I'm serious. I was hanging out, eating lunch with her earlier today, and any woman that's 10 days past their due date is not too happy, you know? Now, she was actually pretty happy. She was, she was, she was doing pretty good, you know? But, but that baby, in Jesus' name, is gonna come out. And so we're gonna pray, actually right now, everybody pray with me, that the, flood, that the water would break, floodgates would open, And that this baby in Jesus' name, what's the date today? 10th, December 10th, would be the birthday of this new baby. We pray, God, and let it be a prophetic sign to this community about this season, God, this season of massive favor and momentum and increase and viral worship that's going around the world. In Jesus' name, let this baby come. Amen. Amen. It's for you, Larissa. I hope you're watching. So, but Michael and I were talking uh, yesterday just about how crazy and hilarious God is. Here I'm up in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where the burn was birthed. Do we have the Tulsa crew here? Guys, these guys drove from Tulsa all the way to come hang out today. tulsa (laughs) Jerusalem. You guys came to hang out in Dallas. Thanks so much for coming. I love it. I love that city. I love you know, uh, what God has done, the movements of God that have been birthed. And anyway, so we we had this kind of ragtag, wild, uh, grassroots worship thing start in in my dorm room in college and, you know, didn't have, uh, you know, really a lot of theology, didn't have marketing, didn't have a plan. We weren't trying to start a global thing. It was just this passion for the presence of God. And, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You know, the weird ones always find each other. That's why you guys are here. You're all kind of mildly weird a little bit. And I mean that in the best way, okay? It actually says, you know, Paul's very specific. He says you're a peculiar people. You kind of stand out. You're, You're strange. So some of you guys need to even tonight embrace your strangeness, you know? You're actually supposed to be noticed and not blend in. Like when you walk into these one of 50 million hipster coffee shops in Dallas, like people should notice you. You know, you don't come in with, like, the hipster, like, cynicism. You come in super happy, and you light that place up. Like, that's who you are, you know? So anyway, so I, I, we were talking, though, about how funny God is and about how, you know, this movement that birthed. we began to meet these people all over and all of a sudden i ran to this dude michael miller who's working he's like working at a church of christ which like doesn't even believe in instruments and but has a heart for worship and prayer and it's like god is so random you know and the first burn that we ever did in dallas was at farmer's branch church of christ in the back gym of the room we didn't even know what we're doing we didn't know people would come we thought even naming it Burn was a little bit out there, you know, but people gathered. And that, that day, I remember, you know, we, we ter- transformed this gym, you know, back behind the church into, like, this place of presence where day and night people were just adoring Jesus. And that night, a dude got healed of a brain tumor. <laughs> that night, a homosexual that has been bound his entire life came up, gave his life to Jesus, got baptized in the Holy Spirit and came in this way, left another way. And we began to see, even from the beginning, how this place of worship and prayer, like it's not just to make us feel better. It's not to make us even just make us feel like we're closer to God, but there is a realm of transformation that God wants to drop in our cities and our regions and our homes and our communities. And so even from the onset, so we were just laughing about how, man, you know, and me and my wife, we had the privilege to to live in this in this you know region for three years and and uh and you know uh, you know the lord really worked on our patience with the traffic here and the uh unending construction that like i don't know why it just never ends here ever um just always construction everywhere and it's good for your prayer life you know it's good to it's good to i remember this is a true story i was in i was stuck on uh I was stuck on 75 in between Plano and I think Richardson exit and it was just like some idiot smashed into a car. I don't know what happened, you know, but it was kind of like a fender bender accident. It wasn't like a big accident and it like blocked the whole highway, you know, and they're just standing there exchanging information blocking the entire freeway. And I'm sitting there and I'm just going, what? you know, I'm so upset and I'm just like, God, this city, what's the matter with these people? What are all these cars doing? There's just so many cars, you know, and you just, like, get angry. Anybody else? Anybody experience that? And, uh, and there's tolls everywhere, and there's a toll, and we're not even going anywhere. I'm paying a toll to go nowhere, you know? And, and I'm sitting there, and, and I just feel like the Lord said, okay, well, you know, why don't I, like, what if I allowed this moment to happen so you could worship me right on the spot? What if I went you to worship? And I, you know, and I kind of resisted that, ah, you know, and, and I kept feeling the lord speak to me about worship like this is your moment like take advantage of this moment and and so i was like okay you know and these guys were just talking i'm like move your stupid car you know they're just talking and waiting for the police to show up and 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 so we're sitting there and and so i'm like all right so i i start start to you know turn on some worship music in my truck and i start to sing and, and the holy spirit speaks no 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 like really worship you know, because I'm just like singing and like looking and singing. No, really worship, you know. So I'm like, okay. And, and, and so, you know, I turn the music up a little louder and I kind of get my hands up a little bit. Not too far, above the, you know, people can't see them just a little bit. And start to sing. And, and, and the Lord's like, no, 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 like worship like you would. Like, like you would in the middle of the night. Worship like you would at the burn. Like. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just close my eyes. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go for it. So I close my eyes and I just go for it. You know, I'm just here. I'm just going for it. Just worshiping. I felt this amazing, just, I don't know, just the Lord come in the midst of my, you know, my funk and break it open and all this stuff. And all of a sudden I hear all these cars honking. I don't know how long this lasted. And uh, I turn around and everyone's like looking, pointing at me going, what are you doing? You know, the traffic's moving, but I'm sitting there like in my truck. And, uh, but so much of this season when I was here, the Lord just began to teach us about the power of worship and the power of presence and the ability that we have to break things open. And we just, man, we learned so much together. And, you know, some of the history of even this church and this movement, we gathered people together in the mid-cities and it was just a, you know, a heart to to gather, you know, people from different churches and different backgrounds and all over just to come drink of the well of his goodness. And, and at that time, you know, we, we, I didn't know, and I don't think Michael and these guys knew that God was laying the foundation in, in, for a community like this that would eventually come. And I felt like even tonight, like as God begins to build this church and movement and as he begins to broadcast and turn up the volume on the sound that he's creating and cultivating in here, I also feel like part of the destiny of this body is always going to be creating a place Where people from the region come and drink. You know, and some of you in here, you go to other churches on Sunday morning. And this is your double dip time. And you come here and you join in this crew. And I feel like that God is going to even increase that more. And, you know, when, when, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. So the kingdom of God and this worship thing is not about branding. Ugh, you know. It's not about branding and downloads and who's cooler and who has the better guitar licks and who has, you know, you guys got some Colombians that swirl, you know, you guys got this, you guys got some sauce, some secret sauce here, you know, and and it's, and it's awesome and there's so much creativity, but it's not even about that. What it is about is when we raise up this wall of worship, the entire city wins. Like every church wins, every business wins, the economy begins to shift, people start getting saved. It's the kingdom of God that breaks out. And sure, we love it when people come and when YouTube hits happen and we love all that stuff, but what we love even more is we're seeing the exact prayer and cry of Jesus that this place would look like that place. <laughs> That's the goal, right? I mean, YouTube hits are great we love songs. We love albums. I mean, we sit around, you know, Bethel Music, and we dream about what songs we can write and how we can, you know, look into the future. You know, Bill always tells us, you know, where do you want the church to be in 10 years? Sing that song. Where do you want us to go in 10 years? Sing that song. And we, we, we gather together, and we, we mull over these things, we cry over them, we pray over them, you know, especially um, one of the songs I love, love I love the I just love songwriting. I love how different people approach it. And I love, especially in our community, you get get with who I call the Swirl Sisters, which are Steph and Amanda. And, like, you can't write a song with them until you cry for an hour first, you know? It's like, you just got to work through, you know, and it's like, you know, and and they just bare your heart, you know? It's like, I love it, you know? And I had three sisters, so I'm, you know, I'm used to it. It's my jam. You know, when guys get together sometimes, we're like, how oh, does that sound? How's that, that good? Yeah, sing it loud. Yeah. It sounds like an anthem. Pump your fist, you know. The girls are like, how do you feel? What's in your heart, you know? But it's awesome. And we gather together and we, we don't think about it, and We don't dream about, like, what's going to get the most hits or who's going to like this the most? We want to know, God, what is your kingdom? Well, how can your kingdom come to earth and what does it look like? And how in this moment can we articulate Revelation 4? Yeah. How can we take what's happening up there and bring it down here? And that really, at the end of the day, is the heart of this worship movement and the heart of the Tabernacle of David, which is what I want to talk about tonight. First of all, I want to dispel the rumors on us several things. Number one, God is not dead in America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to be really clear about that, okay? I don't care who the president is. I don't care what kind of movements are happening. I don't care what is happening around us. Like God is moving. And listen, this year we have seen some of the most phenomenal gatherings and initiatives I've ever witnessed in the history of America. I mean, things, guys, that are are happening in our country that are so outrageously wild, you would never believe them. We uh, last, I think it was two months ago, we, we gathered um, 50, f- we, get, we put 50 tents on the mall in Washington, D.C. Yeah. We gathered worship leaders from all 50 states. This is like such a ridiculous idea. Let's get 50 permits for 50 tents with worship teams from all 50 states doing day and night worship for three days. <laughs> you know, because that'll be easy to do. Like, oh my gosh, the admin for this. And that's even like, listen, I'm telling you, even in this room right here, there's some Holy Ghost admin people God's about to raise up because some feats, some feats of awesomeness are going to happen, but we need admin people with like apostolic minds to how to put these things together. And so anyway, 50 tents, 50 states uh, from, from people from all over, and we literally inundated. We blasted the capital of America with a sound it's never heard before. And it was like a total hijacking. Like it wasn't just an event. It was like, we're taking this entire city over for three days. Deal with it, you know? (laughs) And every square inch of real estate around the White House, around the Capitol, around the Justice Building, around the Pentagon, it was full of worshipers. And every day we would do the 50, 50, you know, 50 tent deal, but then we would send out the musicians like Samuel, you know, on the side, on the hillside, just walking around building singing. And there was such an atmosphere of God's presence. I got to be there on the last day and lead worship the last night. And we had about, you know, 30,000 gathered there and it was like. And I mean, I, I, I've been a part of, you know, gatherings with the call and stuff where there's been more than that. But this was even more significant because it wasn't just spectators. It wasn't just it wasn't even just people that came for that specific event, specific event. It was like lifelong Levitical psalmists, like 30,000 of them from 50 states, like homeboys from Alaska drove all the way through Canada to come down to Washington, D.C., and they came and they brought their crews and they brought their squads, and you would be blown away to realize that what you guys are experiencing here is happening all over our nation. Yeah. The next month uh, we we did this tour, and I just want to show this quick video and then I'm going to share some stuff. Uh, we did this tour Bethel, a Bethel music tour across the east coast and and uh, you know usually the tours are really great and the and worship's awesome and they you know people come and they sell out and it's great, but This one, our hearts were just burning, man. We just don't want to sing songs. We want people to be marked. We want to see revival in cities. We want to see salvation. It's like we're going after crazy stuff. And we're okay if the set list gets blown to smithereens. We're okay if we don't do the worship hits. We're okay if we lay on our face in a puddle of tears for an hour and look awkward on the stage until he comes, you know. And the first night of this tour, we started in Toronto, uh, we started in Toronto, the rest of the day's from the U.S., and I was there, and it was crazy, and we were getting these words over Canada, and God was downloading us this stuff, and I think it was like a Thursday night or Wednesday night or something. It was kind of a random night of the week, but we had uh, over, I think it was over 3,500 people that came to this worship night, which ended up in like a full-on, like, bodies-on-the-floor, like, insanity, right? Old school. Old school tent revival kind of gear, you know? And at the end of the night, you know, I got up there and I just preached the gospel just really simple. Because when the presence of God is here, we don't have to pound people's heads over. It's like, listen, the whole world wants a king like Jesus. It says in Romans eight nineteen, all creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed. Sometimes we, we try so hard, but when the presence is here, it's easy, you know. And so I gave this altar call, and I said, everybody look around, lift your heads, look at everybody else. Who wants Jesus? Lift your hands and run to the front. And over 300 people that first night got saved. 300 people. And then it just continued. New York, Philadelphia, D.C., like these cities that are hard and intense, like God is moving all across the Northeast. So I just want to show this quick video. It's just totes fun, just so you can see. This is from the tour. Isn't that amazing? Every night, it's just it was electric. And I just love, I love how God, like there's this viral call across the earth and you guys are experiencing it here to build resting places of his presence. I love tonight how this message and your sound is going around the world. I was texting with a guy in Afghanistan tonight who's listening to this. Can you imagine that? You're up here with your cool beanies, drinking your lattes, worshiping. The people in Afghanistan are listening to it. <laughs> it's amazing the season that we're in, guys, where this sound can go viral. We've never lived in a day like today. And I want to, let's start with Psalm 145. I want to open up some stuff and just illuminate uh, this Tabernacle of David thing. Just expounding it a little bit tonight because I feel like, like this is what I'm giving my life to. And I think it's so outrageous that God has enormously blessed this community Amen. with some of, those, some of the most creative. I call it swirly, which is a good word. You know, swirly is like, it's swirly. It's good. Creative geniuses, priests, Levites. He's gathered them here. You have more Worshippers and musicians, and intercessors, then you have enough prayer slots. He's telling Michael, Miller, you need to make more services. <laughs> Why? Just because, just make more, so people can do them. <laughs> like give, because there's such an influx, and I feel like it's just gonna increase. As you guys learn how to steward the presence of God, as you begin to build the Tabernacle of David, like, it's like, it's like a um, field of dreams. Come on, guys. Like when you're sitting around drinking eggnog and like by the fire, watch "Fill the Dreams. That movie is prof. You know, if you build it, they will come. They're going to come. They're going to come out through the corn stalks. You know, it's kind of creepy part of it. Think about it. But but they come out into the field. And in the same way, as you build this thing, God is going to fill it. You guys with me? He's going to fill it. He's going to fill it. In Psalm 145, which is really basic worship theology, super simple, basic worship theology, why we do what we do. Now, I have never seen one of the cool things is, you know, when we first started worshiping in Oklahoma, and we're just like, we just want the presence of God. We don't even know. We don't even have the language. We just want to be, you know, it's kind of like in why we named it Burn, because it was like that, you know, the men on the road to Emmaus. It's like a kind of a picture of a generation <laughs> They're walking on this road and they're, they're super bummed out. They don't realize they're living in the greatest day in human history. Jesus just rose from the dead. Like he just defeated death. Like everything that the entire earth's been waiting and groaning and longing for since the beginning of creation has happened. And they find themselves bummed. And Jesus comes up to him, and he goes, hey, what are you guys talking about? It's, the story's hilarious. And they go, oh, man, haven't you heard? We've just been listening to emo music all day. <laughs> We're, like, so bummed. <laughs> Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, there's this guy that's supposed to come, and, He's going to change everything. You know, it's like, they're talking to Jesus. And the kindness of God in this season, I mean, good thing we're not God. We would have smote those guys to kingdom come. I love that. I love that King James word, smote. I will smite thee. You know, it's like, like that would have been the perfect time to use that. You know, Jesus just could have been like, oh, you idiots. Because it says that they were disciples. In other words, they knew him. They knew his teaching. They knew his theology. They saw the miracles. They knew his promises. These weren't just random bystanders. These were disciples. Jesus is like, instead of condemning them or making them feel horrible for unbelief, he again teaches them about himself. It's like, guys, I got to be honest with you. I get so rocked when I go to these parts of the world where they don't have 99% of what you have. That's right. That's right. They don't have anything. These radical Muslims that are getting saved left and right across the Middle East, and these Hindus in India, and they, they don't have, some of them don't even have the Bible translated in their language. They don't have podcasts and sermons and impartation meetings and prayer sets. When they encounter Jesus, that's it. And yet they're living these radical lives of faith. And I feel like part of why we need the presence of God is a continual reminder to us. We can do this. We're called to this. He's faithful. And in the story, you know, of course, they look at each, you know, it's funny, you know, Jesus, like Jehovah's sneaky time, you know, he just pretends to go the other way in the road, and they say, don't go that way. Stay with us. We're so bummed. Now we're happy, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and they go to the house, and, you know, they break the bread, and boom, their eyes are open, and then Jesus pieces out. And they look at each other They go, oh, our heart burned, you know. did our heart, wow, something was happening. And that's what, that, that's all the language that we had at the time. We were just like, oh, our heart burns, you know. Oh, we just, when we get in this, stuffy little dorm room and we close our eyes and we play a couple chords we're taken to a new realm a place of unlimited potential beyond our issues and our self-absorption and, and all of our problems and we're translated to this place where anything's possible and we see his beauty and we remember again and that's all the language we had. and then God started teaching us along the way Psalm 145 says great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness no one can fathom. Verse three. One generation commends your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. You see this amazing thing here where it's saying the Lord is great, great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Your revelation of his greatness will be always connected to your expression of worship. Worship. Some people in the upper room or Dallas or whatever, we, we got a lot of flack for this in the, in the early days of the burn. Like, what's the problem with you guys? Why are you just like, why are you like doing this through the night thing? it a little extreme. Come on, it's a little extreme. Like, it's a little just off balance. It's a little weird. I mean, in the early days, it was so hard to find a church to host. You would be shocked. Tulsa, Jerusalem, 7,000 churches in Tulsa County. We couldn't find one that would host 24 hours of worship in the early days. Because it was weird, it was strange. What are you guys doing? You know, my buddy, thank God my buddy owned a coffee shop. Which was good coffee. Which is important. You know, if you're a Christian, you're gonna do coffee, do good coffee. Can I can I can anybody say amen with me? Just do good coffee. Don't do charity coffee, do good coffee, you know. <laughs> Especially in a city like this. Oh, I felt the Lord in that. So, so you know, and, and thankfully, he had a space next to his coffee shop, and we could meet there after we moved it out of my dorm room. But, but people would be like, why are you doing so weird, so strange? Like, you know, just tone it down. And we were coming from the thing. is like, well, we don't have the theology, and we don't know why, but have you seen him? Like I can stand here all night. I actually have 15 pictures. I don't know if I'm going to show any of them of crazy stories of this thing breaking out across the world in the last 30 countries I've been to. And I could, tonight I could roll out the wildest testimonies of ISIS jihadists getting saved and God breaking out in mosques and the president. I could share with you the most insane testimonies, but if your worship expression has to be based on a testimony instead of his worth... It'll never be enough for you. This is why worship doesn't change with the weather. (laughs) It doesn't change with your circumstances. Guess what? Your life is like this. Not just because you're a millennial, your life is like this. Where all of our lives are like this mountains and valleys. I mean, read the Psalms. Thing about David, though, he never stopped singing. He never disconnected. And some of his psalms got pretty dark. God, the dogs are going to lick my flesh. I am to the pit of despair. You know, granted, he had some real challenges. Um, But he would always end on, but you are worthy, and you are great, and you are holy, and you are worth it. And the thing is, guys, is that this worship expression is founded on the worth of one man this is why we fill these envelopes. This is why we want to raise up a sound that's going to shift the whole city of Dallas. Of course, we want the testimonies. Yes, we want people to get saved. Yes, we want people to encounter God. Yes, we want people to get freed. Yes, we know all that stuff's going to happen. But even if none of it happened, he's still worthy. (laughs) And one of the things I think about, you know, we just launched the burn in Redding, which is super fun. It's just wild, you know, uniting all these churches together and I was there. I brought my boys the other night i have I have um, three kids, one on the way. <clears throat> my world is crazy, and we try our best to like we want to raise our family in the confluence of this thing you know it's just a big it's important to us, and you know I was in the in the burn the other night and it was Thursday night, and we were worshiping it was amazing my my <laughs> I'm sitting there trying to encounter God. My two boys, three and five, are literally punching each other. Like, and maybe they were like so prophetic they were in a warfare mode. No, they weren't. They were just punching each other. And I was looking at them, trying to break them up and trying to worship and, you know, just doing the deal. And I just had this thought, you know, look at us. Oh, we're just trying so hard. If we could just give you 24 hours of worship, if we could just muster the worship leaders, if we could just clear our schedule, if we could just drink enough coffee to survive, if we could just tune our guitars and make it sound halfway decent, if we could just, you know, and it's like our heart, it's just, oh, and I just think one day we're gonna get to heaven where the song never ends and it's in perfect pitch and our faces are gonna be melted off with this beauty and we're gonna look back at these days and go, oh, we were so cute. (laughs) Look at us, you know. We're trying to find buildings around town that can fit us and trying to do all the logistics. And it just moves the heart of God that we would even attempt, that we would even attempt and the weakness and the beauty of our weakness that we would attempt to model what's happening up there. And we're never going to look back at an hour spent, a minute spent as a waste. In a time generation is flushing their lives down the toilet on social media and in and in all of these things and all this stuff and I'm not against any of that but I'm telling you the feet of Jesus you can accomplish more in five minutes than a lifetime of striving this is why he said you know when Mary came to bring that extravagant offering who by the way was not a church person why do we want get people why do we need desperately for people to keep getting saved so we can be reminded how to worship every time i'm in the middle east and i meet a radical muslim that just got saved these guys are psychotic you know why because no one told them church rules no one said hey hey um uh these are the uh the dallas church rules uh, we start off with kind of a fast song and it kind of gets us excited. And, and then after like, you know, one to two songs, we kind of slow it down and, you know, and then, and then we kind of just, you know, and then when we're losing people, you know, we go back to, you know, a song everyone knows. And, you know, these guys, they don't, they don't know the rules. So they just, they're just like crazy, right? Mary, like she didn't know the rules. Oh, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to give it all at once. The disciples are like, hey, hey, Mary, Mary, chill, 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 girl, chill. Why don't you space that out? Come on, give a little at his feet and then let's, come on, we got some projects to do. We're building our ministry, Mary. But she established a New Testament standard because she didn't know the rules and she was captured by his beauty." She didn't need reasons. She didn't even need theology. Great is the Lord greatly to be praised. How great is God? Well, he's great. He's great. He's great. He's great, man. Then your worship expression is great. It's great. It's great. But when your revelation increases and when what you see, like the worshipers that see the most are the ones that worship the most. Like anytime like God reveals himself to people, what's the first thing they do? Crap, I'm going to die. You're worthy. (laughs) They worship. It's It's the only thing that you can do in response to his beauty. And then from that place of being awestruck by his beauty, then they're commissioned. They're empowered. They're filled. They're released. From the first commandment to the second commandment. From the fire to the fragrance. From the prayer, from inhaling to exhaling mission and outreach and changing the world. First thing always has to be first. If you're not doing the first thing, none of your programs mean jack. And this is why when he came, you know, in Revelation, he said, hey, listen, Ephesus, you're awesome. You're a stud church. Everyone knows about you. You got great programs. But listen, this is what I have against you. It all means nothing. Because you've forgotten your first love, return to what you did in the beginning. And I feel like I'm at this point, just like burying my heart with you guys. I feel like I'm in the season where it's like, man, we've done more things than I ever dreamed of. We've gone to more places and seen God break out and done stuff in ministry and 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 seen testimonies and healings and written songs and toured the nations and encountered stadiums full of people and. Stuff that I never imagined would happen in my life. But yet I feel this call in this season. Don't lose the purpose of it all. And it's harder the more your influence grows. It's harder the more your viral things increase. And people come in with expectations. And they come in with things. It's harder. You've got to have those people that come in, like I'm coming in tonight, and punch you in the face in love and say, don't forget this. This is who you are. A church of Christ that didn't even believe in musicians. God ignited something fresh. And, and I want to turn to Amos 9-11 and Acts 15 and just, I just feel like God's going to mark us tonight by this. I'm not going to take too much longer. And then I, I think we just, I think we should just worship and just light our hair on fire or something. <laughs> Amos 9-11, here's what's crazy about this, and I'm really hoping tonight God's going to illuminate this even more over your heart. This is not an archaic, odd, random, obscure passage. If anyone's told you that, they're lying. This is actually a main foundational element of the New Testament church. That's the reason why we see it again in Acts 15. This is not some weird, well, David did this weird thing with music because David just loved music and he just hired all these weird, no, this is like the prototype of heaven coming to earth, of regions and nations being transformed, and of us building life around the presence of God. And we see it in it's verse 11, in that day we'll restore David's fallen shelter, which is referring to... 33 years of unbroken worship during the reign of David 1st and 2nd Chronicles 4,288 musicians Very well structured, you know, David wasn't just a songbird out there. I mean he was He's also a hunter by the way The hunter worshiper thing that's really in right now guys (laughs) Like just saying we're in Texas, so I'm, I, you know, I'm in Cali. I got to be careful when I talk about hunting. I come to Texas, it's free reign, you know? <laughs> David killed bears and lions. He was a man, so he, was a, he was a hunter, he was a wild man, but yet he wrote some of the most tender love songs. He modeled what it is to be a man of God, you know? And so, anyway, during that 33-year period, okay, Saul was doing his deal, building his empire, his name. He really, you know, all he cared about was appeasing men, blah, 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 blah. David comes on the scene. He's like, listen, I'm going to strip down of my underwear and worship before the whole country. (laughs) Hi, guys. I don't give a rip about the fear of men. I want the presence of God in our nation. (laughs) Many theologians believe over 2 million people were gathered when he did that took off the priestly garments, threw off the royalty of his day and said, we are going to be wild, passionate worshipers. And he closed his eyes and went to town. And in response to that, he built a altar of worship. He basically broke every law in the Old Testament about worship. He said, I just believe that if we create a place where God can come, if we worship, he'll come out of the Holy of Holies out of the Ark of the Covenant, and he'll dwell with his people. And we can do life around worship, around his presence. It was a radical idea. Radical idea. And so David built this thing day and night, blah, 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 blah. $30 a month was spent on funding worshipers. In our standards, minimum. Minimum. So David basically said, I'm going to take the entire economy of the nation and reroute it to worship. This is my priority. So anyway, this prophecy is saying, in that day, I'll restore this place. And there's three parts to this. One, I'll restore it and rebuild it as it used to be. The place of day, night worship, presence, adoration, blah, blah, blah. Two, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name. In other words, out of this worship movement is coming a missions movement that's going to touch all of humanity. So that the nations, Edom, can see me as I truly am. Second fulfillment. Missions movement that's going to change the world. Third fulfillment. Which is crazy. The days are coming. The reaper will be overtaken by the plowman. The planter by the one trading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. And I will bring my people back, Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities. They will live in them. They will plant vineyards, drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. The restoration of the nation of Israel. A lot of people don't talk about this. There's three fulfillments of the tabernacle of David. Guess what just happened last week? Now, listen, I got to sit on this for a minute because some of y'all are like so unindated by biased news that you are missing this moment. This is a moment of biblical, prophetic, historical significance. For the first time in the history of America, the first time in the history of our nation, a leader stood up and said, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And here's the thing. I don't really care what you think about the man. That's not the point. Get over it. The fact is, is that whether he knows it or not, he's stepping into biblical prophecy. God will use whoever he wants to use. Some of y'all got to just get off your attitude thing and just be free and just celebrate. Like guys, this is historical. Every president since JFK said they were going to do this. No one did it. Why? Because it's crazy. Everybody knows that Jerusalem's the capital, but if you do it, you offend people. and The, you know, the Arab nations get mad because they have claim to Jerusalem. And, and this guy steps in and goes, I just don't really care. We're just going to call it like we see it. Jerusalem is the capital. And listen, this is very important. If you study biblical history, for, for the leader of the free world, to step into Amos 9 11 as the greatest worship movement in the history of the world is taking over the earth. The greatest missions movement in the history of the world is taking over the earth. 200 to 300,000 a day coming to Jesus. Yeah. Woo. At the same time, the leader of the free world recognizes Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. Guys, wake up! This is insane. Like the fact that we get to live in the confluence of these three prophetic words. Turn to Acts 15, 16 real quick and then let's get the worship team up and let's blow it out before we leave tonight. Amos 15, 16. Is anybody in here not Jewish? Raise your hand. I said not Jewish. Raise your hand. If you're a heathen, raise your hand. Okay. Listen, I'm telling you why. Because in Acts 15, 16, these guys are at the Council of Jerusalem. They're, form, they're literally forming the DNA of the early church. Right? Which, up until this point, is Jewish. You guys with me? Okay. All of a sudden, these testimonies come in. Paul and Barnabas come in. They go, guys, they bust through the door. You know, all the apostolic roundtable meeting, you know, they're kind of discussing. Paul and Silas bust in. They go, guys, you'll never believe it. God is showing up to the Gentiles. This is crazy. I don't even, we don't even know how this is happening. They're getting saved and they're getting touched and they're getting freed and even the heathens are getting Jesus. You guys should be really happy about this moment, please. And so, James, so they're going, they're looking at each other going, What? What? How is that even possible? Like, what? Like, are you serious? And you know, you could just see in the room, they make him repeat the testimony like 10 times. Tell us again, tell us again. And then James pipes up and he goes, Hey, hey, hey guys, listen, I have the framework for why this is happening. Listen. It's Amos 9-11. And James takes this prophetic word and he pulls it in the New Testament. The whole assembly became silent, verse 12, as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. He said, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement. With this, David said it. David did it. It was spoken again, and it's happening today. After this, I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. It's ruins, I'll rebuild and I'll restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even the Gentiles. <laughs> amen. All the non-Jews say amen. amen. Even the Gentiles. So what's the point? So this Amos 9-11 thing, this Levitical priesthood, presence of God, day night worship, adoration, building your life, your community, your home around the presence of God is all about the nations accessing who Jesus is. It's the worship movement. It's the missions movement. It's the I'm stuck in traffic and should be super bummed right now, but I'm going to turn up worship in my truck and sing. It's the viral impact of what's happening here that's gonna go to the nations. Like this, what you guys are experiencing, this project, these hours of worship, it's not so that your church can be cooler or even the cutting edge of worship in Dallas. No, it's so the nations of the earth can experience who he is. It's so that somehow, some way, this sound is going through a cracked phone. In Kabul, Afghanistan. And as that sound comes out of that phone, it's shifting an atmosphere that's thousands of miles away from here. <laughs> Guys, he's doing it. He's rebuilding day and night worship. And you're a part of it. Oh, right. And I'm so excited. Listen, I come like with excitement in my heart that I get to even be a fly on the wall as it happens in Dallas. If I could, and if God would let me, I would come back in a heartbeat. Who doesn't want to live in Texas, besides traffic? (laughs) Taxes are great, coffee's great. California's hard (laughs) to say that. It's hard, pray for me, it's hard. But guys, what is happening in this season is historic. And I just feel like tonight, this is what I want to do. I want us, this is what God has just been showing me over the last week. I want us tonight to literally violently cast off any bit of hesitation, any bit of offense. I was reading in the first service, one of the main things that's trapping this generation in America is the spirit of offense. We're offended at everything. It's like walking on eggshells. And listen, it is poisonous and it is toxic. Get free of offense, fly higher, see what he's doing, immerse yourself in the gospel. We are called to be the most lit people on earth. That phrase is for us. We are called to be the most Passionate, the most wild, the most happy, the yes. most joyful. Yes. We we carry this audacity that at any moment, at any time, in any way, God can show up. Yes. He can change any atmosphere. He can change any hard heart. I want to read you this one testimony? I have so many testimonies, but I just. Whatever, I'll post them somewhere, you can read them. So we sent a team on Halloween night, like we've done for the last 10 years. This is our 10th year, I believe. We sent a worship team into uh, the largest gathering of witches in America. (laughs) I'm telling you, like these like, we look for places like this. Like it's so fun. We go, where are they going to be? Where are they going to be? <laughs> Burning Man, send a team there. Where are they going to be? Salem. Salem, Massachusetts, October 31. We're there. You know? So for 10 years, we built an altar of worship in that city. And we've done outreach in that city. And every single year, Satanists, high priests, sorcerers, and witches get saved. Without fail. And, and we have so much favor that now we're a mainstay. Like, there's all the, like, palm readers and the sorcerers and all that stuff. And then there's our healing tent. And they love us, you know, because we're just always happy. And we're just, you know, we're just, thought, we see, you know, we see anybody with a, you know, with a bandage on or crutches or a knee brace, like, they're, they're going to get it. They walk by, it's like, you know, our guys are like looking, looking, you know. I wanna read this, in the midst of 60 hours, this just testimony just came through two days ago. In the midst of 60 hours of unending worship and prayer, we trained and mobilized 120 to heal the sick, interpret dreams, prophesy, in the midst of the largest pagan party in the world, the haunted happenings in Salem, Massachusetts. We call this the love project, loving on Jesus, loving on people, seeing city transformation. We ministered to over 1,500 people, witnessed over 200 measurable miracles on the street, Let dozens of attenders to Jesus, saw legs grow, metal and backs disappear, deaf ear opens, and blind eyes see. And the list keeps going. One of the most remarkable of these miracles was a lady with her daughter who came to our healing tent. Upon arrival, she informed our team that she had stage four terminal breast cancer. She was given four to six months to live. She had come to Salem to spend quality time with her daughter before she passed away. Her team prayed with her, wept with her, prophesied over her, and encouraged her to go to the doctors in faith immediately after her time. No contacts were exchanged, just a hope-filled encouragement and blessing. Week after Halloween in Salem, our church was contacted by the town of Salem's office administrator. She was asking for our permission to give out our email address because an unknown woman was obsessively contacting the town council of Salem, looking for whoever were the people that ran the tents on Halloween. We gave them permission, and that night we got an email that said this. I met some people from the Love Project in Salem. I was drawn in by the free healing signs because like we're so annoying, right? That's part of our deal. It's like we're so obnoxious, like, you can't miss these signs. We're out there with guitars, like, yeah, you know, it's like those guys that stand by, you know, by the tax places on the street. Anyway, I told the man who greeted me as we approached that I was battling stage four metastatic breast cancer. He took me into the tent and sat me down with three great people and he prayed over me. Before I left, they asked God to take my cancer away. They prayed that when I got my next test results that they would come back cancer-free. I came home and that's exactly what happened. Three doctors. Three doctors read the results of my last PET scan and the cancer was 100% gone. The doctor Said, this is a miracle. We've never seen this before. We have since been corresponding with her, and she is refusing to be silent about her healing. And her whole family has been transformed. Just a week ago, our friend on the town council in Salem contacted us to let us know that the mayor of the city pulled a meeting together to discuss Halloween night and the street activities. One of the very esteemed councilmen stood up and said, you all have heard the story of stage four breast cancer patient coming to our city, meeting one of these teams, being prayed for and healed of terminal cancer. I don't know how it all works, but I do know that we need more of this in our city. (laughs) Come on. 60 hours of worship, a couple of those 60 hours were like 17-year-olds playing three chords in the middle of the night. Not glorious, maybe cracked voices, but 60 hours of the presence of God brought in over 200 miraculous healings. Imagine what a wall of non-stop worship would do in this city. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit euro.org.